Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any old fantasy. Today, we are bringing back the character series with, as you could see from the title, Antiheroes That Won Our Hearts. Right. By popular demand. By popular demand, the character series is back. We've done protagonists. We've done antagonists. We've done just characters we like. And uh, (laughs) now we're starting to dig a little deeper into the barrel here, and we're pulling out antiheroes. Yeah, well, it felt appropriate because we'd basically done more straightforward protagonists. Some of them were anti-heroes, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And we've also done some straightforward antagonists or villains. Uh, none of them were anti-heroes. None of them were heroic, really, at all. And we're like, okay, well, what's the middle ground here, Charles? <laughs> it's the anti-hero. Very, and yes. I... <laughs> I think it's time that we dive into the ones that won our hearts. Let's do it. Let's talk about those anti-heroes that won our hearts and uh, won them they have. Uh, we're trying something new with the character series. Instead of like us presenting characters to each other and like we each only pick a couple, we're just going to like talk through a whole list of them just you know we're not going to spend as much time on each one or making themes with each one or like picking one that we personally like or whatever it's just kind of like hey let's just let's just grab out of talk about a bunch of anti-heroes and now we can talk about more characters more books just more fantasy in general yeah charles and i were thinking that this is friends talking fantasy not friend talking fantasy and sometimes those previous way of doing the character episodes would start being just like one of us talking for a while and the other one listening and then be like, ooh, that's that's nice. That sounds (laughs) like a good character and then going. We think this will facilitate a little bit more conversation about the characters and hopefully feel more just like conversations with your friends rather than uh, not that the previous ones were stilted, but maybe maybe just a bit. <laughs> and you know what? We, we'd be curious to know what you think. We're kind of guessing with this one. We're trying something. We think it will be better. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the fans that decide what's better. So if you like this new format, if you like the old format, reach out. Let us know. You know, we're trying to make a, an improved show always, every week. So, uh, yeah, just uh, hit us up. That's a goal. We love feedback. We, we do, try to react to it to the best of our abilities. But how about we get into this, Charles, without further ado, as you like to say. Let's do it. And before you get the chance to talk, I'm bringing up Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> uh, Dylan is the is the um, diehard Abercrombie fan. I like Abercrombie as well. When you talk about antiheroes, I'm going to steal a little bit of Dylan's thunder and say that uh, one of the reasons we both love Joe Abercrombie so much is because he's pretty much a master when it comes to writing antiheroes. Exactly, Charles. I know when we're talking about this episode, you're saying, well, in general, one of the people you think of is Walter White when you think of antiheroes. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, my favorite yeah. antihero in fiction. But yeah, he's a good example sure. of one, I should say. Right. And maybe we we ought to sort of define antihero as well before, before we get into how Joe Abercrombie master, masterfully <laughs> illustrates how to write strong antiheroes. Uh, I'd say... I pretty much looked up on Wikipedia 
it says an anti-hero or anti-heroine is a main character in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Although anti-heroes may sometimes perform actions that are morally correct, is not always for the right reasons, often acting primarily out of self-interest or in ways that defy conventional ethical codes. And I would say when it comes to Joe Abercrombie and these characters that he writes in those more main character positions, just about all of them buck the <laughs> typical heroic qualities such as idealism, courage, and morality <laughs> The uh, to various extents. The, the two that most come to mind, I think, as great illustrations of anti-heroes are Logan Ninefingers, and that's probably my favorite character, mm-hmm. maybe in all fiction. He's a great, and, great take. Yeah, and uh, Glockta is another big fan favorite. So Logan Ninefingers is a barbarian with a, a bit of a, I would say, philosopher's spirit and a uh, warrior's uh, cynicism and Demeanor. attitude yeah. and willingness to get things done. <laughs> and then Glockta is actually a torturer, <laughs> which takes him far outside the realm of what you would typically expect from a protagonist or someone that he can be rather kind of charming or in a way i would kind of say like he seems like a he's like a witty guy he's fun to read he seems like a nice guy but then you forget that what he's doing in the scene is like torturing somebody you know so uh very um dichotomous there exactly i think when people read glockta uh, they're often very taken by a, like his internal monologue is has this great dry humor yeah. to it. Uh, we've said before, if you really like Tyrion, uh, then I think Glockta is a character that you'd really enjoy, has that kind of dry sense of humor. But what makes Glockta much more of an anti-hero uh, than is Tyrion is the fact that like, Tyrion would be, I think, pretty unlikely to just dive into torturing people in the way that Glockta is willing to do. And while he questions, Glockta does question the morality of these actions, uh, he has reached a point of like pessimism or even hopelessness, it seems at times, about the world and how dark a place it is. And, you know, they call... Uh, Joe Abercrombie, Lord Grimdark for a reason. (laughs) It's such a dark world that for Glockta to uh, make his way in it as someone who also deals with a lot of disabilities, uh, he's got to do what it takes and be ruthless. And though he'll question, like he's constantly questioning, why do I do this? That's a big uh, part of his internal monologue. He does it anyway. And that's such a big part of what makes him an anti-hero. Like, yeah, I was going to bring up the point that he himself was like, you know, this dashing hero type back in the day. And then he himself was tortured. And now he's like, you know, has all kinds of of of, of like health issues and he's in pain constantly. And that kind of gives him a little sympathy points. But then he's like, you know, walking into an interrogation room and starts torturing someone in like graphic detail. So the it's it's kind of you don't know kind of how to feel it in those moments and then like you said we love reading his internal monologue it's very Tyrion-esque but unlike Tyrion Glockta is capable of devising some really like horrible plans and doing hor- more like personal horrible things to people and that kind of what is what gives him a little bit of edge in terms of like being an anti-hero for sure, Charles. You make such an interesting point there about Glockta as someone who used to be. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> who used to be. Yeah, I'm coughing on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but someone who used to be a traditional hero. Actually, I mean, maybe not in the sense, like he was a pretty narcissistic person in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, um, but definitely had a a lot of the courage elements if we're going with those three bits he had courage to the point where he thought he could do everything and he looked the part of a hero he was an amazing fighter everyone admired him and those kind of things mm-hmm. and we get to see him illustrate how uh, someone who at least from the outside kind of looks like a hero then can become an anti-hero when the world 
pretty much shows them, hey, you can't go around acting with that much courage <laughs> and, and be able to make it through. It's so true. I think, you know, a lot of modern fantasy kind of tries to adopt these ideas. It's like, we know the knight in shining armor. We know the hero. We know how virtuistic the hero should be in a good versus evil story. And a lot of what the modern popular fantasy authors are doing is kind of exploring the more human nature, the more like gray morality, the more violent tendencies of like what a real um, a setting more based in reality would be like. And something that's on the cutting edge of modern fantasy that's along those same lines is a book that we just read. Uh, It's the Poppy War series. And this antagonist is none other than Rin. You mean anti-hero. or not antagonist? Although anti-hero. sometimes it's hard. Yeah, depends what side you're on. To see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what antiheroes are all about, Charles? That's right. Yeah. So we've talked Rin almost to to death on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. We've said so much. We love the Poppy War trilogy by R.F. Kuang, and I think we. No need to go too deep into no. Rin here because there's so much you could hear us talking about if you go to our Poppy War trilogy episodes or our why we have to read the Poppy War. But it, for those who haven't listened to those, Rin, incredibly ruthless, incredibly relentless, incredibly ambitious, and incredibly interesting to read about because she holds all of those qualities. She's another one that's super hard not to find yourself rooting for, even when she's doing some really horrible things. And, right. Yeah, what do you I think it is about like Rin even that... beyond Logan Nine Fingers and Glockta, like you know, they have some characteristics about them that we like. With Rin, we've just this is who we are with this is who is presented to us as the main character in the story. So we, you know, we've talked in depth about this idea of like, we're rooting for her and we applaud her character development, but all of her development and growth is like problematic and destructive in nature. So, you know, um, that's, what's so fascinating about Rin is that we are so excited to see her, like grow and overcome things but you know she's giving off all these warning signs and violent tendencies as well and that's what makes her such an interesting um modern anti-hero um she also you know the way she you know interacts with authority is really complex and interesting and the way she like fits that role of what's expected from her and how what she wants and what she's willing to do to get to where she needs to go is what makes her a great example without trying, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here is what makes her like a really interesting anti-hero in modern fantasy. For sure. One of the big things that we've talked about here, Charles, is that when Rin goes through that growth, you were mentioning Charles as an anti-hero, her growth is overcoming her own psychological barriers, if you will, uh, that keep her from enacting some of the things that she'd like to enact. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she becomes a better person, despite the personal and psychological growth. And that we've always found very interesting about Rin and how she contrasts from characters in books that are written by authors who tend to go a little more optimistic, like Brandon Sanderson tends to write a little bit more optimistic. Character mm-hmm. growth is often going to make you a better person if you're in a Brandon Sanderson novel. <laughs> right. Very true. Uh, who should we talk about next? Well, I've been wanting to bring up Micah Half-Wolf from Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda. Now you better avoid spoilers because uh, hoping... I just bought this the, the first volume and I'm going to pick yeah. it up soon. <laughs> I know, Charles. Well, this is a spoiler-free episode, so uh, uh, we ought to be able to hold to that and you'll be a good uh, canary in the coal mine yeah. to see if I <laughs> yeah, you end up saying anything <laughs> that feels like a spoiler here. So these are just critically lauded graphic novels that I was lucky enough to have recommended to me by uh, Beth Tabler on Twitter. So follow her. Uh, She gave some great recommendations. (laughs) Um, We're not huge graphic novel 
guys necessarily here on the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. We love Saga, but we're just not that well read. We're yeah, a lot better. I was gonna say we're not well to... read. We are fans, but our experience yes. is limited. Well said, Charles. Uh, we've liked a lot of what we've read, and Saga sticks out, but we just yeah don't have a lot of uh, things to draw from when it comes to talking graphic novels. Mm-hmm. This has been awesome for Ray and uh, a sort of grimdark setting in a graphic novel medium, Charles. And I am still moving through the series. I'm, I think I just finished up the third volume over here. Uh, the main character, Micah Half-Wolf, has been just risen up the ranks pretty quick to one of my favorite <laughs> characters I've read wow. in any form of fantasy. It's, like I said, a very grimdark world. And uh, Micah Half-Wolf has to navigate all of these things, has experienced a lot that uh, has made her rightfully cynical about the world in the same way that some of these Joe Abercrombie-type characters get uh, cynical about the world because of how dark it is. Um, and she's had to figure out okay, well, I'm a teenage girl in all this. I am going to have to do what it takes to survive. And I think it's not a spoiler to say that the book called Monstrous uh, involves a character. uh, This is in the blurbs oftentimes. uh, uh, It involves a character who has a link to a monster that's inside of her. And uh, that monster, not shockingly, wants to do some pretty monstrous things. (laughs) And you get to see how Micah, who who I would say would prefer to do the right thing if that's possible, uh, (laughs) gets to try to manage the fact that this monster's inside her and wants to do some pretty messed up things. So how does she keep herself from doing things that are too messed up while also being willing to acknowledge when it's her who's making choices that aren't necessarily morally ethical? Uh, How's that? Did I manage it without any spoilers? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but she kind of reminds me, like when you were describing that, she kind of reminds me of a character in a series we're reading right now, Nona, when she has... Um, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but Nona has a similar issue where she's um, trying to decide like what um, would be justified by these dark influences on her and what is her herself, you know, kind of separating those responsibilities, if you catch my meaning. I do catch your meaning. I know I know exactly what you're getting <laughs> at there, Charles, and uh, I think we don't want to dive too deep into that. Yeah, listen Trust to me, our... if you're willing to say that, Charles, I'm... What I said is 100% <laughs> kosher about Monstrous. Uh, check out Monstrous, though, y'all. And I know we're looking to do it soon on the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to be reading it soon. It's, yeah, it's really good. And yep, there's uh... like strong female characters that I have really appreciated. Um, the world is really interesting, too. Right, cool world. It was recommended to you. You read it. And you, you know... you. I know you're like gushing over a lot of these characters because we're cherry picking the best ones, but it's pretty rare for you to gush as much as you have about uh, about Micah here. So obviously, so I you know a couple of days ago I went into a local comic book store. I found this shiny hardcover like book one thing with a couple volumes in it, and I'm uh, haven't haven't broken the seal off of it yet, but I'm excited to to read that, and maybe we'll um, talk about it soon. Who knows? Yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to get into it with some more spoilers because this is uh, that was a hard one to <laughs> navigate for me. But there's there's another character I like at least just as much uh, for very different reasons okay. in that book, Charles. But I won't get into or in that graphic novel. So you're saying book? Yes, yes. Yeah, graphic. So novel. anyway, we we probably ought to keep it moving, Let's Charles. It. You got one that you want to mention? Um, well, I guess the next one on my list, you know, when we, I was kind of, I'm like, is this character an anti-hero? And yeah, he, he technically is. I'm talking about, uh, Geralt of Rivia, another series that we've read on the show. 
And uh, he was also, he came up in another character series that we did. I think it was Protagonists. Um, <laughs> so so I won't go too much into talking about Geralt of Rivia. I'm sure a lot of you know him from either the show or the video games or the books or whatever. Uh, he's pretty much consistent throughout all of those mediums um, as a character. But I'd say what was interesting about him is like, I guess if I were to picture like the hero version, like the pure hero version of Geralt it would be someone like Robin Hood you know it's like oh I steal from the rich and give to the poor I'm, and I have my merry men and I'm like a cool guy uh, but you know Geralt's not like that he's got that anti edge to him you know he uh, is not that great of a person sometimes he can be a little selfish at times he rejects a lot of the um virtuistic parts of a hero he kind of embraces the grittiness of reality sometimes he's you know he's a violent guy by trade he does though show a lot of um you know moral virtue at certain points you know he has a very strict like moral code that he adheres to often getting him in trouble with like human beings and trying to defend monsters against humans that want monsters dead. So it's a super interesting balance of what an, of what an antihero can be like an antihero can have like moral virtues and like defined values, but can still exhibit non-heroic traits. And I think Geralt and of all the list of characters that we've mentioned is probably the most heroic so far. I don't know about this Micah Half-Wolf, but compared to like Glockta and Logan Ninefingers and Rin, he's definitely more heroic. But he's yeah. but what makes him an antihero is not how like dangerous or unhinged or the horrible things he does. It's like how much he kind of rejects the idea of a hero and how he navigates like a real world moderny fantasy setting and the moral conundrums that he's in and where he decides to draw the line and the consequences of those actions, you know, he, you know, can't stay faithful in relationships, all these other things that kind of round him out. And that that's why I wanted to put him on the list. Right. I think he totally counts as an anti-hero, yeah. Charles. He's probably, like you said, the most heroic of the ones we've mentioned, though the bar is not super high there for <laughs> with a few of those. Uh, yeah. I think that, he he definitely has a lot of that courage and he does have a moral code. He doesn't have a lot of that idealism with those three <laughs> that we yeah, talked about. Not very idealistic. And, yeah, and I think the lack of idealism as well as his, it's sort of his role, the, right? The fact that he's walking around and being perceived as monstrous by all these people around him is part of what makes him like this isn't your typical hero and throwing him into these fairy tale style <laughs> stories at least in the short stories uh, and seeing how he behaves differently from our <laughs> typical heroes is is very interesting absolutely and something i love about Geralt that I only appreciated in like my second read through of the short stories was his his how self-deprecating he is and there's this whole thing about like oh I'm a witcher I don't have emotions you know people hate me and I'm just a mercenary and people are trying to use me whatever like so much of that he inflicts on himself to the point where he doesn't think he can have successful meaningful relationships whether that's with um Siri or Yennefer you know it's not necessarily romantic relationships he doesn't think he can have it's all personal relationships and that's really interesting to watch him go through usually in a heroic role characters are very confident grandiose or um trying you know trying to raise their voice or things like that and and Geralt is like wallowing in his own self-pity and that's not what the books are about but when you think about it as you're reading those books it dominates everything that he does and explains a lot of why he is the way he is and that's to me what makes um Geralt such an interesting anti-hero well said Charles you know Geralt kind of reminds me of a character from uh this series called The Raven's Mark by Ed McDonald mm -hmm. uh, named Ryholt Galharrow and not just because Ryholt kind of sounds like Geralt <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah they're both people who who get into a little bit of monster hunting mm -hmm. and uh, Ryholt 
is a character that has to, in his role as a uh, captain of uh, his, basically there's like two warring gods in this uh, series, and one of them has made Ryholt a captain of their forces. And part of what he has to do is go into this place called the Misery and fight monsters. The monsters in this series are a little bit more like they came from humans, a little more like zombie movie type feel to them. Mm. Uh, But he has those anti-hero traits in spades. He's... First off, like older than the typical heroes that we get, I think he's uh, in his thirties, and so he's old. Kinda, <laughs> but he is, I think, older than our typical heroes. Um, not as old as like, Geralt. Look, not as old as Geralt. <laughs> Geralt's been around a while, but if you look at some of these other, a little older than Rin, a little older than Micah Half Wolf. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the idea is that he. He's kind of got this like beat up uh, face to him. He also comes from more of this background where he used to be uh, a little bit more heroic that I won't get into details of. Uh, And he's down on his luck and he's just kind of in it for the, the money, a little bit like Geralt is at times, and trying to get the job done. And he's on the side of a pretty ruthless god king type figure so he's very jaded but he's also very complex in the sense that he tries to do the right thing i think when it's possible but he's he's got that feel to him that i think i get from Geralt, where it's like uh, when you have to get something done you're gonna do it and you're not going to worry about what gets in the way. It's like when Geralt's trying to get access to a place at one point, I remember he's like, money opens all doors. And he just like hits the guy <laughs> with a bag with of a coins. Bag of, yeah. yeah. With a bag of coins. Yeah. And uh, Ryholt is the kind of guy who would totally do that. And sometimes does things that are kind of unnecessarily sadistic in the ways that some of these other anti-heroes do. Hmm. Sounds kind of action packed too. It is, yeah. And they're pretty quick books. I highly recommend them. I always recommend them as kind of, if you're a veteran fantasy fan and you like Joe Abercrombie, then I recommend uh, Ed McDonald's work whenever I can because I think it's pretty underrated. It's also got like a good sense of humor like Abercrombie's work. Hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of it, so it's sparked my interest for sure. Yeah, first book's Blackwing. Check it out. It's like 300 pages. They're, they're short. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got some more I'd love to talk about, Charles, if I can. Yeah, I'm looking at the it. list. I think there's one more on here from a series I haven't read, so you may as well get that out of the way and uh, go for it, man. Don't, get, don't be too pumped there, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still, honestly, I'm still kind of triggered from your ageist comment earlier about an old 30-year-old as someone who's almost. That's not <laughs> how I said it, Charles. I said he's older than our typical <laughs> I'm our typical heroes and i think that's fair it it is uh it is the fantasy genre that is occasionally ageist in terms of mm-hmm. so many young characters i know it's like why do they all have to be like late you know in their teens or 20s or whatever you know there's we need some more older people in fantasy <laughs> It's Charles, especially as you start getting up there in age, a little bit older than I am. I know. I, know. I might be sounding a little yeah. uh, insecure right now, but it is what it is. You know, it's like we're not just like, oh, the wise, uh, like, so- like you know, mentor figure that, you know, dies in the second act of the first book. You know, there's more to us than that. <laughs> <laughs> more to you anyway charles thank you so uh let's do it man you know i'm pumped for this one this is probably the series i've talked most about without having read a single word it's gotta be this series (laughs) 
Okay, well, then I know you're telling me, let's talk about Locke Lamora from yep. the Gentleman Bastard sequence by Scott Lynch, That's beginning right. with The Lies of Locke Lamora. I think he's one of the characters that most come to mind for me when we're talking about antiheroes in the fantasy genre. You know, he's a rogue, he's a thief, he's all these kind of things. Uh, and he is definitely conniving is probably a very good word for Locke. He's uh, a very, very clever character. Uh, The book pretty much starts off with uh, he's being sold from uh, this person who trains thieves because he's like, he steals too much. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can't get him to stop. So That's um, funny. Yeah. (laughs) The books are, are very, very... They're they're dark in tone, but the characters are hilarious. The dialogue is super witty. The banter is great. And Locke basically ends up, uh, pretty early on, not a spoiler, uh, Locke is the head of a thieving crew that... uh, you know, they do a little bit of the Robin Hood type stuff of like, uh, we steal from the rich. But also, Locke is a lot more ruthless when push comes to shove than is any uh, Robin Hood type character. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, he's got a relentless appetite for stealing. And he's pretty willing to take vengeance when necessary i'll say (laughs) is that's my spoiler free version got it (laughs) vengeance when necessary (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know how much deeper i can go into some of the things that that locks on to do but he's he's great to read about he's like a lovable scoundrel in a lot of ways i think like if you really like uh, another great anti-hero, probably fair to say in fantasy, uh, like Captain Jack Sparrow. Like if you who really doesn't like love Captain Jack, Jack Sparrow? Sparrow? Who doesn't? Uh, or you love that's Python another the anti-hero that's captured our hearts for sure <laughs> in the hearts definitely, of America. <laughs> definitely captured our hearts. I love Captain Jack Sparrow, mm-hmm. and I think people who agree with us there would really enjoy. Locke, because he's he's just such a like funny rogue scoundrel type <laughs> character. Man, yeah, I mean you've sold me on it a bunch of times. Maybe several weeks down the road, and we get to um, a friend's pitching fantasy where you can pitch it again. <laughs> can I even? I think you. I can't because you, you can't for the next last time one, again. But the one afterwards, you know, like months from now when we get there, um, who knows? Anything's possible. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but that is that's fair, at the Charles. top Anything's of my possible. to be read pile. It's just not fair that you've also put up like King Killer and Abercrombie and all these other, yeah. you know, it's just not fair. But we'll get there eventually. We will get there, Charles. Uh, Are you? F- yeah, man. I'm, re- I'm ready to move on. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Mark Lawrence recently, particularly Book of the Ancestor, but, you know, I'm not going to come out and say that this character's won my heart in terms of, like, <laughs> a character that is worthy of love, but he's certainly a character that I love to read, and that is Yorg from The Broken Empire. Uh, Yorg is, um, you know, he's one of those protagonist who is absolutely ruthless i mean like i like to think of it as like you're you're like leveling out like you have a hundred points and then you have a bunch of different character traits you have like oh kindness friendliness determination it's like you pretty much put everything at zero except for like just determination and pragmatism and that's your he's absolutely cold absolutely callous but what is so much fun to read about him, he's like, what do I have to do to get from A to B? And then he's like, this is the most direct path. That's the path I'm committing to and I'm going to take. And Lawrence, you know, he his ability to write a character like that who's so determined and so pragmatic and watch that character solve problems. Like, 
a heroic character would never go about these like Machiavellian brutal paths that that Yor goes through, and it's so entertaining to read. It is horribly violent, and he is a criminal and a and a you know a monster, but he's so interesting and entertaining, and um, I I just haven't read another character quite like him in fantasy. It's just so much fun to read him problem solve and deal with forces he doesn't understand but still figure out like well when you do this to this force that thing happens so i can basically use it i don't care about if i can understand it or not i just care if i can use it or not and reading those kind of things in book of the ancestors like a huge highlight for that series and like i think any anyone who you know if that sounds interesting to you i'm trying to think of other characters who are as like pragmatic like rin i guess is a character who's very similar to that rin without the vulnerability yeah yes, like, York has no vulnerability whatsoever he's not impressed by anybody <laughs> right yeah the the stuff you say about yorg in terms of his willingness to do whatever it takes to get from point a to point b that is what makes him stand so much in contrast to some of these like chosen one type <laughs> heroes where I was like, ah, like, I don't know. I don't want to be the chosen one. I don't know if I necessarily want to go do that. Oh no. Like I've finally got the villain under uh, like control over here and I could kill them and probably save a lot of lives by doing that. But I'm a good person. <laughs> so I just got to let this person go, even though I've killed all their henchmen. Yeah. It's like, after reading enough of that or seeing it in other medium too, um, you can get some catharsis almost out of watching Yorg where it's like Yorg will never let the person go in that situation. Yorg will do you won't even think what it takes you won't even to delay. achieve. Yeah, like it wouldn't come, come up. The commitment and the like, procedural kind of approach you'll take to it would be almost as disturbing as the act itself of you know like that's kind of the kind of character that Yorg is exactly so if you're I mean there's some real atrocities committed in that uh, series and sexual violence and things like that that it makes it not necessarily something that I think everyone would enjoy reading so I want to give a heads up about that I, d- I definitely am sooner to recommend the book of the ancestor <laughs> by mark lawrence to most people than i am to recommend the broken empire and i highly recommend yeah you got to get book a feel for someone before you recommend book of the ancestor they have to be okay with uh, i mean yeah uh, uh, a broken empire they have to be empire. super chill with violence of all all violence <laughs> and also i'd say um you know, you'd have to be a little more ready to pick up on the nuances of the setting and the characters and things like that. It's a bit more of a of a committed. You have to be focused and you have to be paying attention when you're reading uh, Book of the Ancestors. But it's so much it's so much fun. You mean Broken I, Empire? Bro- broken Empire. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my, we've just been talking about Book of the Ancestor for so long. I'm on autopilot. Broken <laughs> Empire. That's the series i'm talking about with yorg read it if you if you're comfortable with violence which i am i I don't mind a nice you know fantasy violence i'm i'm very much on board with so i i enjoy it but yeah i wouldn't just go recommending this to to anyone (laughs) no but i would recommend book the ancestor to just about anyone that's fair if you're looking check out mark lawrence and uh yorg sounds a little much for you then definitely check that out and our episodes on it Yes. Plug. Yes. Yo. We've got a lot of episodes coming out recently about Book of the Ancestors, so check those out. Um, so it wouldn't be a character series without talking about Game of Thrones, Dylan. Just wouldn't be. No, it would not, Charles. And, I mean, you could pretty much put any of our protagonist POV characters in this anti-hero realm but i'm really trying to think of the more interesting ones because there's some characters that you know are more of an antagonist there's some characters that don't really fit up the protagonist role and there's some characters that may or may not betray spoilers so it's like which characters do you pick and one that i feel comfortable picking is the hound actually um the hound kind of like uh Geralt of Rivia may be only a little bit more uh, jaded and horrible, but this is a guy who is very much like, you know, I, you know, oh, I'm serving this guy because, you know, 
that's the smart thing to do and I want to stay alive and I want to be in power and whatever. Um, he goes through life pretty much as an individualist, you know, he does have a little bit of a moral code, but he's been raised in Westeros and that has hardened him quite a bit. And, you know, he's done some pretty horrible things, but a lot of times the horrible things he does comes from like a pragmatic, like influence, you know, or stressor. It's like, well, you know, it's like we can't help them and also survive ourselves. So we just have to kind of let them, you know, go off on their own. They'll probably die, but we'll survive. And that's what we have to do. When like anyone would be like, oh, that's so cold. How could you do that? How could you not help them? It's like, you know, you got to save yourself before you save others. And that's kind of an occasional theme that pops up with the Hound and to see him with Arya sometimes and or with Sansa or with any of the other main characters, they're always these fun moments because he does kind of walk that line. He's like, is he a nice guy? Is he dangerous though? And that's what makes him so so fun to read. And although I wouldn't say he's like a hero in the story by any sense, he does kind of have some of those heroic tendencies, but he's very much in that a- anti-role, so... I think people like him as a character, and even though he's in that gray morality very strongly. The Hound's a great pick, Charles. <laughs> I, there's a awesome quote by him where he says, I'm honest, it's the world that's awful. <laughs> and I think that's a common theme throughout what makes a lot of our great anti-heroes is they're oftentimes in these very grim dark worlds like Westeros like the circle of the world in the first law series like everything Rin has to deal with in the Poppy War trilogy they're these terrible terrible worlds around them and part of how they're able to uh, win our hearts when they do (laughs) is that they're just doing what they have to do to get by with how messed up the world is. So we can start to empathize with like, okay, well, if I was here, sure, I'd love to be like, uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything from Game of Thrones by picking the character I want to pick. Right, but right. Um, I'd love to be like some of the more heroic people that are present in this world, if if they are present. But I don't know if I could pull that off. Yeah. Like that takes so much strength to be like that in this world. So these anti-heroes become in a lot of ways, a lot more relatable than they would be if they were in, let's say, a Tolkien-type world. That's true. And the Hound has won our hearts multiple times because we see there's like almost a sensitive side to him. His backstory has a little bit of tragedy in it. And even though he's killed a lot of people or you know worked for horrible people or he has pretty... Um, he's like pretty okay with like, oh, well, I guess these people are going to die now. It's not my problem kind of attitude. Um, we, he still captures our hearts many times. And uh, I just think that's what makes him like such a great example of what an antihero can be. Sure. Great pull yeah. with the hound. I, there, I'm trying, I, like there's so much I want to talk about with the hound, but it's like, I don't want to get into anything that could be perceived as a spoiler. So I'm speaking very vaguely, but great character. And like, there's other characters that I think might even better fit this role that I don't even want to say. I don't want to like betray, you know, character arcs or things like that. I think sure. the Hound's a safe pick. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I I think good pick with the Hound. And if there's anyone else that you're feeling like you want to make sure to mention, then, then go for uh, it. I think I'm fresh out. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many things with like all like – yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to. Don't want to get into it. I, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, Charles, I think our next episode should be like 30 minutes of you waffling about whether or not you want to spoil things from Game of Thrones. We just need to have an episode where we just that. talk about Game of Thrones spoiler stuff. You know, it's like let's just talk about Game of Thrones without having to worry about spoilers for 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, but that would be nice. We could maybe do a best Game of Thrones character series that is just like, look, if you're listening to this. Like, we're gonna spoil game of thrones we did just drop that recommendation thing about game of thrones but this would actually get into the spoilers which would be awesome so maybe we'll see yeah 
it's so often that every time we're talking about Game of Thrones, right? It's like yeah, because it's been it's been basically. years since I've read any of those books. But when we start talking about the characters, I get so in. I'm surprised how into it yeah. I get. I'm always surprised about how excited I get talking about Game of Thrones, even after you know it's been years since I've read the books. It's been over a year since I've watched an episode of the show. But when we start talking about it in these character series and these recommendation series, it gets me pumped. And you know, you I kind of forget that this was like our first love in that you know we've been chasing the dragon ever since on modern fantasy after this series and it's just kind of thank you the magic from all of that and and, i just like talking about that too thank you i'm just trying to not spoil anything so we can move on but love game of thrones all his characters are pretty much anti-heroes but figured the hound would be a nice deep cut pick to to, to pull out of there for sure i mean i'm with you charles my kind of natural reaction when we start talking Game of Thrones is like at first I'm like ah oh, like the ending to the show you know yeah, this yeah. whole like sense of disappointment but then once we start getting into the thick of the conversation I'm all pumped up again. I know too, it's like so. do I want to watch an episode of the show? No, do I want to re crack the yeah. crack open the books right now? Not really, but you know once we start talking about it, I'm like oh you know what I kind of am into all that stuff still like I still like all I of it. I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, it's I know a lot of people. Sometimes. We're disappointed by the ending of the show, but it's uh, such an amazing series with mm-hmm. so many great moments that once you kind of get past that first bit and start talking about it, you remember how much stuff there was that made that won our hearts, Charles. Won our hearts, a hundred percent. You know, I have one more character on this list. I guess so. I, it's, it seems like we wrapped everything up so well, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even said won our hearts, Charles. I know, I know. I was like, <laughs> like that was the perfect transition to you get the outro music pumping. <laughs> we record that next episode, but <laughs> I know, but there's <laughs> one more go. on the list, and it was one of mine. And I, you know, we got so many of yours. So here we go. And uh, after that beautiful, uh, beautiful segue to the end, I'm gonna kind of jarringly shift gears and bring up one more character from a pretty unknown <laughs> series. Like, beautiful. <laughs> uh, you know, we I talked about this once before in an episode that we recorded forever ago, and we've banked and are have not aired yet. Uh, but you know, it, and and that's from the it's a from a series called The Axe of Cain, and um, we're talking about Cain, and uh, he just comes to my mind right away when I think of antihero, and he's very much like a, almost like a. I think of like an '80s action hero kind of when I think of Kane, where it's almost like a like a Schwarzenegger kind of like guy, where he's badass and he's often in like these action piece like hot pursuit chases or intense battles or fighting lots of people or in all these like high stakes situations like crazy settings. But um, he's such a great character. He interacts with other characters in like a fantasy setting, like no other hero or protagonist does. And the way he thinks about fighting people is super interesting. And the way he, you know, his whole philosophy around violence is super interesting. This is a character who goes into detail about how it's better to attack someone while they're mid-sentence because they're not expecting it. So normally you'd expect like the villain to have a whole monologue and the hero to like lecture the villain and this exchange of ideas. But the the villain in this, in Acts of Cain, the, the villain would be like, you fool, you came into my lair and I've now sprung my trap. But Cain would just and cut you off. Cain yeah. punches <laughs> him in the throat. Cain had, like, would headbutt him in the nose or something. So yeah. <laughs> it's super fun to read, super interesting, very exciting stuff. So if you like, if, if you're reading all this modern fantasy, like it's kind of a bummer. I wish there was more like exciting stuff going on. Then pick up Acts of Cain. You will not be disappointed. If you like 80s action movies, especially some of the more violent ones or the ones with lots of action also pick up Acts of Cain as well. If you like science fiction, pick up Acts of Cain. And uh, that's all I got to say about it, man. It's really good. Highly recommend it. I recommend it too. <laughs> it's just fun. I, I've read the, the first book in this one. Heroes Die, which is an incredible <laughs> title. Great name for a book, yeah. Yeah, that's basically why I read it. And that's probably <laughs> a pretty 
Heroes Die is probably a pretty appropriate title uh, relevant to our anti-heroes. That's episode. so true. I can't believe I went on that right. whole rant and didn't mention in a book in an episode yeah. about anti-heroes that this book is called Heroes Die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad but you made I... that point because I'm picturing all the fans of the book being like, dude, what are you talking about? You missed the main point. It's the book title. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean... My sense when I first heard the the title Heroes Die was like, oh, I bet this is going to have an anti-hero because the, the point of the book seems to be that if you're just a straightforward hero, then you'd actually die in reality. <laughs> so, yeah. Heroic I virtues mean, will get yourself killed, essentially, is what the yeah. title implies. Yeah, the extent to which that does or doesn't come through in the book... Uh, we won't say, but that was my sense when I first heard the title and it made me pick it up. So, um, and you know, oh, heroes die, Charles, but uh, eventually all episodes must die as well. <laughs> they must almost come to an end. So, I liked your first ra- wind uh, down yeah, better. Well, you should let me close it out with that then. <laughs> but then we would have never heard our thoughts on heroes die and, and came. Uh. <laughs> What would the world do? I had to, you know, sometimes as a fantasy podcaster, you have to make these tough calls. And maybe the more virtuistic podcaster would have let you have that moment and ended it. (laughs) But I'm that anti-podcaster that's not afraid to jar the tone of the show to bring out that last point, you know, to get the last word in. Yeah, stay tuned for our upcoming uh, Best Anti-Podcasters <laughs> episode where Gosh. Uh, Charles will get a mention. Yeah, but a I podcast a where I talk about myself. <laughs> You're definitely not going to want to miss that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, want to do some more winding down, Dylan? Or should we just get right into the outro here? Yeah, let's like just... Just chill, just hang, huh? talk about whatever comes up. Yeah, you know, like, we've read a lot of great fantasy over the years, and just so great that we have so many antiheroes, protagonists, antagonists that we could draw on and just talk about fantasy for I- indefinitely. Yeah, why even talk fantasy, Charles? Let's just talk about our days. <laughs> oh gosh, man! I sat in so much traffic today coming home from work. It, it was horrible. Right, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's why we don't do that. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been Charles and Dylan coming at you. If you like what you heard, if you like the new format for the character series, let us know on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with number one at the end or Facebook and Instagram, which is just at the FTF Podcast. You could also shoot us an email at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. We really need to know what you guys think of this character series. You know, we're trying new stuff. We want to know what works, what doesn't. So let us know. If you like what you heard, toss five stars to our podcast, guys. All you Apple podcast listeners out there have the opportunity to go to our profile and rate our show five stars. I believe we're still sitting at seven or eight five-star reviews so if you're listening and you like it don't delay we will notice these things and we will appreciate them profoundly and you know what it doesn't cost you anything to do it so get out there and show us some love um yeah google us go check out our website all that good stuff um anything else dylan you said it all charles well i think we said it all and at that i will leave you with these parting words thank you all for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends